Good morning. This is Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who've been called to various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we're here with Reverend Michael McLaughlin. He's the pastor at First Presbyterian Church at the corner of Dixie and Broad Street. They start with Sunday school at 945 on Sunday mornings, and then worship is at 11. On Wednesday nights, they have children and youth. Supper starts at 515, and then at 6 p.m. they have their programs. They have a Spark children's program and an Ignite youth ministry that you're all going to be interested in hearing more about. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Thank you for being here this morning with us, Michael. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Welcome to The Calling. So I'm interested about your childhood, Michael. Where did you grow up? Well, I was uh, born in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, then we moved to first Southern California and then Marin County, Northern California. Oh, wow. uh, and so I grew up out there for most of my younger childhood, but I would spend summers in Knoxville with my grandparents and my dad. So I had a, a very diverse experience growing cool. up and it, it was, it was good. So how'd you spend your time in Southern California? Well, it was brief. We only lived there a year. I do remember, um, tarantulas. Uh, we lived oh, on, tarantulas, yeah. man. Yeah. Very, very early memory. We, we lived on a ranch and I, I remember seeing one and that's about all I remember. And then as we moved to Northern California, I start to remember more and more as I got to preschool and, and yeah. grade school. Yeah. How big was that tarantula? Do you remember? I mean, I'm going to say it was like 10 feet. Yeah. yeah 10 it was feet. huge. It was huge. Yeah, at least to my mind at the time. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, about a year you were in Southern California and then where'd you go? Then we moved up to Marin County, San Francisco Bay Area um, and um, went to St. Rita's Catholic School and uh, had, had a good time there uh, growing up. And uh, my sister would be born while I was going to school there, Mar okay. Marina. I actually got to name her after my favorite place in the city where we would visit. We'd go to the marina. Oh, wow. And my parents, were, my mom and stepdad were open-minded enough to uh, to let me name my sister, which is great. We're very close to this day. Uh, I was six when she was born. That so. is so totally yeah. cool. And your yeah. sister's name is Marina. Yes. What a beautiful name. You did She's a great job a naming person. your little sister. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Oh, I hope Marina's listening. Hi, Marina. What Hi, a beautiful Marina. name. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Okay, so that's that's interesting to me that you went to Catholic school. Do you have any nun experiences? No, they had moved on to lay teachers gotcha. you know, many years prior to, to my arrival. And so um, I do have lots of great memories from there, but they were not nun related. Right. <laughs> none experiences. You have none. That's right. We sang a lot. I remember a vibrant, you know, music and, and choral ministry that they had. And that was wonderful. And I'm sure shaped me in ways I didn't even realize at the time. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, you said that you spent the summers in Knoxville. Mm -hmm. You're a Vol fan? I am not only a fan. I'm an alum. I did graduate from Tennessee. And, and so I'm loyal. I'm a Vol for life. And, uh, and it's been uh, it's been difficult the last few years, but I am still loyal. Oh man, what yeah. are we going to do with those Vols? We believe in them, right? I do, and I think I think Coach Pruitt was a good hire, and I think we need to give him time. I think right. people need to calm down a little bit, right. and uh, and it'll be good to see what happens the next few years if he hopefully gets a chance to stick around. You know, Nayland Stadium is amazing, isn't it? It is. In fact, I'm excited to take my son, our youngest child. He's never been. And so this oh, wow. coming weekend, we're going to go watch the Vols play Mississippi State. And uh, cool. we're going to do all the traditions, going to eat at Gus's Deli, going to go do the Vol walk. Hopefully, we'll be able to stand on the bridge and watch the band go under. 
uh, as they go into the stadium. Oh, yeah. Pretty that, exciting. That, that is exciting, yeah. yeah. And when the band starts playing Rocky Top, it doesn't matter if you're winning or losing. 100,000 people in Nayland Stadium are celebrating. That's right. <laughs> I think it's funny because there are 100,000 people in Nayland Stadium and there are 100,000 people outside of Nayland Stadium. <laughs> yeah. Some of them floating and some <laughs> tailgating and yes. You studied what at, at the University of Tennessee, tell us? Well, so I studied biochemistry and cellular and molecular biology, and then I got a, um, also had a minor in psychology. I can imagine that psychology helps you with your church work. I hope so. I hope so. I, I think it does, um, you know, especially in, in all seriousness, you know, my, the, when I worked uh, out of undergrad, I worked in mental health, working with adults uh, with developmental challenges. And, um, and so we had a lot of interdisciplinary teamwork, you okay. know, working with folks with a lot of, of different roles that with a common goal. And so of course that helps with church work, you know, and Absolutely. reflecting on that and working together as a team is very yeah. important. Yeah. How do you describe your job as pastor? Well, it's one of the things I love about it is it's, it's a little bit of a lot of things, you know, I, I'm able um, to be able to study is, is part of my work that I'm able to study the scriptures and study theology and read and, and write. Um, but I also, you know, have to know how to fix random things around the building. And I also am welcomed into these intimate parts of people's lives. And I'm, I'm, I'm very outgoing people person. And so, um, I think that works well. And, and yeah. I hope that I'm able to be some comfort at times when, when, when folks need it. So yeah, it's, it's really a mix of all different kinds of things. You, you kind of never know for sure how the day will go. And, and I like that. Yeah. Actually. I like that too. Yeah. What's the most random thing you fixed around the building? Okay. And I also need to not overstate here my ability okay. to fix things. Yes. Um, and yes. Um, You're a lay random. maintenance person. I don't a know. Repairer. I will say this. I wish that my seminary, this sounds weird. I wish they had a course on HVAC oh my gosh, uh, because yes. everywhere I've been, there's been some kind of HVAC issue. Uh, and although we were busy learning Greek and Hebrew and other things. I, I know. Right. Yeah. But those HVAC issues, they're expensive issues. It's big. It's yeah, big. absolutely. So Greek and Hebrew, you know, I remember the first time I walked in a seminary classroom and uh, the professor was writing Hebrew. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is upside down and backwards. Yes. But it's important, isn't it? Super important. And I love it. And it, and, and knowing the original languages as as we are required to to learn uh, in our preparation for ministry, it really opens up the scriptures in ways that I never realized fully. I mean, I had pastors in the past who who were helpful in that regard and would explain. Um, but once you really start digging in, it's amazing. It really is. Now, it wasn't easy for me. That Hebrew part was difficult. And I, I took a lot of naps and stayed up late studying a lot, but I made it, you know, so. But yeah, I, I loved it, um, and I love what it opened up in terms of the scriptures. Yeah. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. After a brief break, we'll be back with Reverend Michael McLaughlin. I'm Dana Hornby. We're listening to, this morning to Reverend Michael McLaughlin tell his story. You're listening to The Calling. And Michael, we're going to ask you some questions now about your calling how does a young boy from uh, living in Southern California going to a Catholic school, um, studying sciences at the University of Tennessee, end up at First Presbyterian Church in Cookville? That's a good question. Um, well, so uh, right out of undergrad, uh, I 
took a job in Kentucky working in mental health um, and enjoyed the work. It was it was a lot. I learned a, a tremendous amount. Uh, but in the process of that, we became plugged into First Presbyterian Church, Somerset, Kentucky. We visited. They were very hospitable. Uh, and, you know, as as we became more and more involved in the church, um, I started helping a little bit with the youth Sunday school. And the more I did, uh, the, the more I wanted to do, I really enjoyed it. I'd never had any experience of anything like that before. But the pastor there was very good at encouraging the congregation to be in leadership or or to have opportunities to lead. And so then I started helping a little in worship, and uh, then my wife and the choir tricked me into joining the choir. Oh, they uh, tricked you. Yeah, they told How me. How did that happen? They told me Wednesday night there was a building and grounds meeting. Uh, seems to be a theme recurring here. That's uh, great. And uh, in the sanctuary. And so oh. I, you know, foolishly just walked right into the sanctuary thinking I was somehow going to be helpful, which I would not have been to a right. building and grounds committee. Lo and behold, it was choir practice, and they all knew I was coming, and they encouraged me to stay. And the truth is I always wanted to sing in the choir, but I didn't have the courage. And so the, the trick, I guess, got me there. And, That's uh, cool. So through all of that, I became increasingly um, involved in the church and, and felt called to more, shared that with uh, with the pastor. And and uh, and he was helpful in preparation. And, and really the, the big moment was we took our youth to Montreat Youth Conference in North Carolina. And at the end of the week at Montreat, I, I discerned a very – palpable call to ministry. Now at the time I thought I was being called to youth ministry. That's kind of all I'd really had experience with. Um, but the long story short at this point is one thing led to another and uh, I continued to prepare and we went off to seminary and uh, I began at Columbia Theological Seminary in 2005. And so when we finished there, um, I was called to serve First Presbyterian Church in Manchester, Tennessee, just okay. down the road. A wonderful congregation and uh, very active in the community. Learned a ton there and, and served there for four years. Then we were called to the Mississippi Delta. So about two hours south of Memphis, I wow. served First Presbyterian Church in Cleveland, Mississippi. Uh, learned a lot more there. Had a big school that was part of the responsibility and part of the ministry there. Uh, and then a little over a year ago, God called us back to Tennessee. And we are delighted as it is our home state and uh we're learning all about Putnam County and Cookville. It's somewhat new to us, but uh, we are so happy to be here. We love this area. Everybody's been incredibly welcoming, and uh, we're excited about the ministry and the missions in particular uh, going on at First Presbyterian Church here in Cookville. That's exciting. Yes. The Mississippi Delta is a little bit different than the uh, Middle Tennessee area, huh? Yes, very. Um, in in many ways, I'm, I'm still sort of processing some of those differences and um, – and think a lot about it. Uh, we we met and and will keep you know wonderful friends while there. Uh, they're also like any place profound challenges right. uh, and that the church I think I believe is called to to minister to. But um, yeah, it's it's a fascinating place. I had never even spent any time in the state of Mississippi, let alone the Delta, when we went down to interview and. You know, now we have lifelong friends there, and our oldest daughter is a junior at Ole Miss. So oh, that's great. We, so yeah. we have connections, I guess, that will remain. When you t when you think about ministry there in the Mississippi Delta and then here in Middle Tennessee, how do the ministries compare geographically? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, well, I mean, in terms of outreach and mission, um, it, it's a somewhat different picture in terms of the needs in the community. I mean, I mean, for one thing, um, you can't talk about it without talking about the ethnic differences. And, um, you know, there's a, a much larger African-American population in the Delta than there is here in Putnam County and, and I guess Middle Tennessee in general, especially in, in the rural areas. What, what ministries are happening at First Presbyterian Church currently? 
Well, oh gosh, we are, uh, we're very active. It's exciting. It's actually the, probably the most active church that I've served in terms of uh, ministry to the local and, and regional communities. Uh, we have a clean water project in which we are able uh, to go out and test uh, water samples for folks. Uh, we, we do a lot in the Upper Cumberland area. And uh, if it's determined that their water, you know, they need a filter, they need a clean water system, we're actually able to install. And That's then, amazing yeah, that awesome. you're doing that. It's awesome. Then we also can teach them how to monitor it and keep it going. And then so we check tell in. our listeners how to contact you if they need help with that. Um, if you need any help with that, um, you can just call the church at... Just call the church. Call the yeah, church. Yeah, call and, the church. Uh, and we can get you pointed to the right folks that can get you uh, on board for that. <laughs> you um, know, we never call our own phone numbers. I know, I know. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, it's programmed in my in my contacts list, I promise. Yeah. But, uh, we also, uh, I'm, I'm excited about, we support uh, Lesotho. There, uh, there's an orphanage in Lesotho. Okay. Uh, and so a lot of our activities and fundraisers and things will go to support this orphanage. And so it is a, it's an important part of the ministry there. We also are delighted um, that we have a Parents Morning Out program called Soul Song. That's so important. And this year we double the size of it. So there used to, be, used to be two days, now it's four. And, uh, you know, wow. we've had our first full graduating class go on last year and we have a whole new group now and it's wonderful and i'm delighted i get to to lead chapel with them once a week and share stories with them and and just see them develop and so that's a huge part of our our ministry and so that's four days a week it is Which days are those it's monday yeah. monday tuesday wednesday thursday now the kids themselves we basically we have two groups there's a monday wednesday okay. group and a tuesday thursday gotcha so, yeah. yeah um but it's uh it's it's a wonderful ministry that they started and i'm delighted to be part of um, we also host the Green Market every Saturday morning. The Green Market. Yes, okay. Yes. If you're in Cookville and don't know about the Green Market, you, you need to know this. So tell us a little bit about the Green Market. So every Saturday morning from 8 until noon, we have a number of vendors, uh, farmers, and um, and artisans that come and set up in the parking lot at 20 North Dixie. Uh, you can get organic veggies. You can... Uh, go in on uh, sharing some meat together. I mean, it, they have everything, dairy, you name it. Um, it is wonderful. They've even started doing some night markets a few times a year. And That's so they'll great. have live music. And it, it's it's a great bunch of people that care about sustainability and, and good stewardship of creation, which yeah. is big for our church. So. Yeah, that's wonderful. I came there one weekend and I think I... Uh, I saw everything from freshly baked bread to furniture. Yes. It was amazing. Yes. So if you have not checked out the green market, put that on your list of things to do. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. We're listening to Reverend Michael McLaughlin. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back. I am Dina Hornby and this is The Call. I'm Dana Hornby and you're listening to The Calling. This morning, we're here with Reverend Michael McLaughlin from First Presbyterian Church on the corner of Dixie and Broad in Cookville. And Michael would like to share a motivational moment. So one of my favorite things to do is to meet and get to know new people. And I'm sure it goes back to moving around a lot when I was younger, but I'm a pretty outgoing person and much to the chagrin of my children, I will pretty much talk to anyone almost anywhere but for as long as I can remember, I've loved learning about and from people, especially folks who, who are different from me in some way, different backgrounds, different cultures, different faith traditions, you name it. I love those conversations. 
I love to learn about the ways different people think or the way they live, the way the foods they eat, the people, the places, the things they love. So in one way or another, we all have people in our lives who are different than us. Now, whether in real life or increasingly through social media and and connections with other persons through technology, the sad truth of life in 2019 is that though our diversity is truly a gift from God, there are many persons and forces that will try to use our differences to generate hostility between us, to divide us, all to gain and maintain power, to hoard wealth even simply to tear down those who aren't like them. So in thinking about the manifold ways humans are different from one another, in a time when we are seemingly divided more than ever over important issues such as how to respond to the global climate crisis or how to end the evil of mass shootings, how to live together with persons of different faiths, with those who do not claim a faith, In this time of widening gaps between those with unprecedented wealth and those simply struggling to make it, to survive, as God's children stream to our borders, seeking refuge and safety for their families and children, as we wrestle with the reality of racial injustice, of discrimination against LGBTQ persons, and as our political discourse, even our very democracy itself, seems to hang in the balance. In these days, when it may seem that we'll never again return to things like compromise or reason or bipartisanship because of all this division, I'd like to just flip that script and and offer us a challenge, all of us, to imagine how our differences can in fact be a blessing, how they are a good thing, how our differences are a gift from God. So my question today is, what things might bring people together, even if we are different from one another, especially if we are different from one another? I'm reminded here of a story from one of my favorite books of the Bible. This one comes from the book of Acts, where time and time again, we can learn about how God's love brings an incredibly rich diversity of people together. The story goes that nearly 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Paul. Paul loved God deeply and traveled to tell many, many people about his faith and his love of God and Jesus. And during Paul's journeys, God led him to a Roman colony called Philippi in what we now call Europe. And like many in our world today, Philippi was a city filled with all kinds of different folks, many of whom were far more interested in gaining riches than growing spiritually. In Philippi, Paul met a woman named Lydia. And Lydia was part of a group of women who had gone down by the river to pray. When Paul met the women there by the water, they listened to him speak about Jesus. And he spoke about how he came to show us how to love, how Jesus came to show us how to live for God and what God's kingdom truly looks like. And though these women were not Jewish and they had never heard of Jesus, Lydia and the rest of the group were already worshiping God before Paul even showed up. So Lydia and the women down by the river, they were very different from Paul. 
But Paul connects with these children of God. He connects across dividing lines of race and religion, gender, of economics. There are so many differences. And yet, they shared in one far more powerful truth. They did know the love of God. God's love, in fact, brought them together. And friends, that is the good news for today. God's love is for everyone, no exceptions. And the Spirit of God brings all kinds of people together. It is a blessing. People from different places, different ethnicities and cultures, young and old, different genders, gay and straight, rich and poor, different religions. Yes, even liberals and conservatives. So I wonder what ways God's loving spirit might help us connect with and share in the love of God with different people in our families, our workplaces, our schools, online, here in Tennessee, far beyond. May we all be on the lookout for ways God's love brings people together and how we can be a part of what God is doing in the world. For as Paul wrote to a church in what we today call Turkey, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God for the gift, the blessing of our differences. And peace be with you. Thank you, Michael. I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling, and we're back with what I consider my favorite part of the show because I just get to pull five questions out of the air, and you never know what those questions are going to be, Michael. All right. So um, this, these are the rules. You get to either uh, pass or plead the fifth on okay. one, so okay. no, nothing incriminating here today, mm-hmm. um, but you never know. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's see. First question. We'll start out kind of easy. What's on your playlist? There is a brand new Avett Brothers album that just came out a couple of nights ago, and uh, I'm I'm still working my way through that. Um, Thanks to the kids, but I may tap my foot a little bit too. We've we've had the new Taylor Swift in a little (gasps) rotation as well. Uh huh. I like Um, the new Taylor Swift. Yeah. Shout out to your kids. Let's say hi, kids. I want to say hi to Madeline and Sophia and True. Uh, Hope y'all are doing well right now, and uh, you know. Making good choices. There you go. Yes. Make good choices. Yes. Yeah. You know, I saw uh, Taylor Swift recently online. She was uh, she was having LASIK surgery, and her mom did one of those funny videos where, oh, yeah. you know, you're totally out of it. Mm-hmm. It was stinking hysterical. I've seen it floating around. I haven't watched it yet, but yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next question. Question number two. If you could be invisible or fly, which would it be? I definitely would, would choose flight. Um, Where would you fly? Well, anywhere, right? And I'm just going to, you know, build on this and and just go ahead and say I would have the ability to like carry my whole family with me too. So you save a lot of money on travel. Okay. Um, And then the (laughs) other piece for this is um, so I'm a little suspicious of anyone who would pick invisibility. Okay. Because I feel like you're sort of just planning on being up to no good. Yeah, absolutely. So solemnly swear I'm up to no good. (laughs) So I'm sticking with flight. (laughs) 
So would you fly, you know, like a, a jet airplane, like a fighter pilot, or would you fly like a helicopter and kind of hover? Yeah, this is a complicating um, is. factor for me because I'm terrified of heights. You are? Yeah, so I'm, I'm saying my flight would be like five feet off the ground. I mean, I'd, I'd be very uh, low flying. Yeah, yeah, then. more of yeah. a hovercraft, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or a drone. Y- yes, a, a very large drone. That would be, <laughs> 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 that would be totally fun. Okay. <laughs> Michael, if there were a gag reel of your life, what would be on it? Oh, my. We would have to start out with the, uh, you know, the hair and some of the outfits in the 80s. Oh. You know, awkward phases yeah. combined with the questionable fashion choices. Did you have like a Boy George outfit that you rocked back in the 80s? Well, I was really, really into, well, I thought I was really into break dancing, right? So, um, did you break something dancing? Well, I never actually did the dancing part, but I okay. liked the associated fashion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but my dad wasn't wild about it, so I only had a couple of items there. But uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, there, the gag reel would also include just our family. We we laugh a lot. We dance. We laugh, laugh at each other. At each other yeah, with each so other. Fun. I mean, we're just we're a loud, laughing, dancing kind of family. So that there'd be a lot of gag reel uh, material there. Gag reels are the best part of television. I'd have a few ministerial gag I, uh, reel items as well. You know, bringing the wrong sermon into the pulpit or oh taking gosh. a wrong turn when leading a procession, things like that. Yeah. I once called the communion elements the communion elephants. Oh, wow. They're, you can't recover from that. Yeah, that's it's hard. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. Question four. Mm, what has been... Your most embarrassing moment. I mean, one that just immediately pops into my mind, although I'm sure I've been embarrassed lots since then. But there was one particular moment in high school when I was in Latin class and uh, we met right after lunch and it was hard to sometimes stay awake. Right. And I had fallen asleep uh, apparently pretty hard and my leg fell asleep as well. (laughs) And Miss Fishbach, who was a phenomenal teacher, uh, after the bell had already, you know, rang and students were filing out, she was standing, uh, right by my desk and woke me up and I jumped up with a start and, uh, with my leg being asleep, it was about three seconds before I went completely down, Oh my gosh. but down in dramatic fashion, yes. like knocking desks everywhere and, uh, enough of a commotion that, you know, the crowd had assembled at the doorway. <laughs> it, it was pretty embarrassing. Also probably what I deserve for sleeping in class, but uh, yeah. Oh, that's great though. Yeah. That's yeah one of them. You know, a lot of people got to miss a little bit of class because of your shenanigans. And, and they got a little, you know, pep in their day. Maybe, yeah, they're like, hey, Michael, could you fall out tomorrow, too? Because I have a <laughs> test, man. I need you to, like, fall out in the middle of algebra class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. Last question. You know, you haven't used a free pass or you haven't played the fifth. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to have to kick it up a notch. Okay. Let's see. Mm, what's the cleanest joke, you know? I'm trying to think about a joke about soap, but I couldn't soap. come up with anything. Because that would be like a dad move. That you know, would be to make a total great dad move. I've got one for you. It's a knock-knock joke. Oh, okay. I'm ready. I didn't write this, though. I'm borrowing it from, okay. from a, a musician named Bela Fleck. Okay. Like yeah. Okay. Knock-knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. <laughs> Interrupting. <Mill. laughs> That's all I got. Awesome. I love it. That's great. You can tell the kids, everybody listening, tell that joke at least once today. There you yeah. go. Thank you for being with us today, Michael. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. It's been delightful to talk to you. You're listening to The Calling, and today our guest has been Pastor Michael McLaughlin. He is the 
pastor at First Presbyterian at the corner of Dixie and Broad. Come see them on Sunday mornings, 945 for Sunday school, worship at 11, and on Wednesday nights, uh, supper at 515, and children and youth programs starting at 6 p.m. Thank you, Michael, for being here. Thank you. You've been listening to The Calling. I'm Denna Hornby. Join us next week for new and exciting interviews with pastors from the community.